With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Grambling. I'm joined by Jenny Brentis of the Weekside Podcast. And Jenny, we had so much in the way of playoff implications go down on Sunday, but we're, we're going to start in Philadelphia with a team that might be out of it. They're not totally out of it, but they're, they're kind of teetering on the brink here because they, they have a new quarterback. That was a pretty exciting debut for Jalen Hurts. I was definitely in the camp that I didn't know how much a quarterback change would help because there was so much going wrong with the offense from the play calling to offensive line to dearth of skill position players. But this really did make a difference. The game plan that they created for Jalen Hurts gave the Eagles an offense. They were able to move the ball. Mm. They were interesting to watch. And I think Hertz, in a way, really helped with a lot of the ills of the offense because he has the mobility, because he added that additional threat. It allowed for more creative play calling. It really got the run game going uh, to the tune of 200-some yards. So we saw this major change um, that as I said before, like I I wasn't sure would happen um, just because there had been so much wrong with the Eagles offense, but Hertz was more than a spark. He really transformed the unit. Yeah, this was a, and look, this this was the upset of the day. The Eagles finally break that losing streak. They upset the saints who came in on a nine game win streak. Uh, 
the thing that stood out to me about this Eagles offense is, you know, one thing we we said about Carson Wentz for weeks and weeks was, uh, you know, he's trying to do too much. He's trying to do too much. Hertz didn't try to do too much. This was the first time it felt like they had a quarterback who actually trusted what was happening out there. And there were certainly reasons that Carson Wentz didn't trust what was happening around him in this offense. But uh, it, it just there was a baseline level of functionality that they crossed here. And I think it did have a lot to do with the fact that uh, they had a run game again. They got back to Miles Sanders. Uh, the Saints, uh, I don't know exactly what the streak was. They hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in uh, in a million years or whatever it was. But uh, they allowed two in this game. Hertz and Miles Sanders both went over 100 yards rushing in this game. Uh, And the Sanders, the long touchdown run he had was... It was a direct result of the Saints having to respect Jalen Hurts on the read option stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that was why a quarterback change could fix a lot of the ills of the offense because it allowed them to call an entirely different game. And I heard some people saying, well, Doug Peterson's calling a better game, but it's unfair to say that that would not be because of Hertz. He called a better game because he had more options at his disposal. He had more ways to uh, make plays work. Um, So that is a reflection of what Hertz brought to the offense. The uh, the ground game was certainly the plus here. The the passing game still not quite there. Although Hertz, uh, he threw a beautiful back shoulder throw to uh, Alshon Jeffrey to get the Eagles on the board in the second quarter in this one, which was a a definite plus overall. Though I mean, look, he was uh, again uh, not trying to do too much. He you know when stuff wasn't there, he threw the ball away or or he tucked it and ran. There was a there was a level of decisiveness from the quarterback, uh, which sounds a little bit ridiculous considering you know Carson Wentz has been in this offense for years and years. Jalen Hurts is making his first start. Uh, He came into the league as a developmental guy, but he was more decisive in running this offense. Uh, The negative was, again, the passing game is still still problematic. Uh, Hurts had had one huge mistake losing a fumble at midfield when they were running the clock down. He almost threw a catastrophic uh, pick six in the fourth quarter there that, I mean, if C.J. Gardner-Johnson <laughs> holds onto that ball and 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 uh, gives the Saints the lead there with a pick six, we're probably having a, a slightly different conversation on Monday morning. But uh, it did not happen. You catch a bit of a break there. And overall, just, uh, again, just, just a level of, I don't know, you just could expect what to happen on drives. You didn't have to wonder, okay, is Carson Wentz going to uh, run around for eight seconds in the backfield and then lose a fumble? No, it was just, uh, it was, it was like an NFL offense again. Yeah. And the Eagles were criticized for picking Hertz in the second round. You know, should they have picked a receiver? There were all kinds of questioning of the move and who knows exactly what they had in mind. Clearly they made a previous financial commitment to Wentz. So certainly they were not expecting to have to pull Wentz, but when they did make the move, they had somebody that they can put in that is able to run the offense that is able to run a different offense that was more successful from exactly what you just described, Mm. Gary, this futile, every time the Eagles went to take a snap, it was just, how was this play going to be foiled, right? There was no expectation that something interesting would happen or that they'd get out of a jam. It just, there was this sense of doom and Hertz changed all of that. Yeah, and uh, look, we're going to have an entire offseason to talk about what the Eagles are going to do with their quarterback situation. One thing I will say, though, and, and I know a lot of people uh, on Monday are kind of saying, okay, where, where does Wentz end up now? Where, where are they trying? And we know the the uh, 
the contract makes him very difficult to move. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, change some things. If it does look, I mean, look, if it looks like Jalen Hurts is going to, uh, if he plays well enough down the stretch, that looks like this is his job going into 2021. Wentz might rework that deal in order to uh, to get somewhere else. But one thing I will say, if this is, you know, let's let's say this was week 17 and this out ended and we, we kind of would be, I, I think everyone would be open to a scenario where Carson Wentz sort of got back on track this offseason and sort of regained the starting job next September. Uh, if you look at this, I mean, Jalen Hurts, we talk about the the impact of the rookie wage scale at the top of the draft. Jalen Hurts is a second round pick. He's His cap it is, is one point. 3 million next year and 1.7 million in in 2022 you can quite easily hang on to both quarterbacks uh, obviously you don't want a backup that you're paying 35 million but uh this is not a situation where it's like oh my goodness we are uh we absolutely have to move on, move on from Carson Wentz if he's not going to be the starter you can have them compete next summer and uh if if Jalen Hurts wins the starting job that's fine it, it's still the same amount of money no matter how you shuffle it yeah, and this just popped into my head, Gary, and I haven't done the research and I don't exactly know the feasibility of this, but Frank Reich in Indianapolis had a fantastic relationship with Wentz. They have Philip Rivers, who's toward the end of his career. You know, if at some point the Eagles are fully committed to moving forward with Hurts or that is the plan, um, we don't know how many more years Rivers will play. So just the idea of Reich at some point trying to reunite with Wentz is something that we could keep in mind. That seems like the best scenario for uh, Carson Wentz. If, if, we're, if we're being honest at this point, that's probably the the best landing spot for him at this point. And, uh, and I should, uh, to, to my wonderful point, uh, Dak Prescott and Tony Romo that one year. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how who gets paid what. You just have a certain amount of money allocated to that position, and that's the way it goes. Right. Um, Taysom Hill on the other side of this. This might have been Taysom Hill's last uh, last start of the year here. Uh, I mean, look, he 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 didn't play particularly well. He did come on in the second half. The Eagles had a rash of injuries in the secondary, and and the Saints were able to take advantage. Uh, he took a couple of really bad sacks. One was a strip sack that he lost in the fourth quarter when they were on third and short and driving. And uh, he also took a sack that uh, ended up instead of a, a uh, field goal inside 50 yards late, it ended up being a 57 yarder. That Will Lutz uh, missed there. So uh, shaky performance for Taysom Hill. First time we've seen him have to play from uh, a multi-score uh, multi deficit uh, as, as a Saints starter here, and it just didn't quite uh, work out for him. Yeah, I was just going to say that, Gary. This was a very different situation where they fell into an early hole and then he had to climb himself out. So it was a different kind of test. The other wins have kind of been this balanced combination, right? The defense is playing well. Uh, Hill can, um, you know, run this kind of offense that doesn't require him to like have to be the hero for the game. And so he found himself in a different spot where he had to climb himself out of this large hole and it didn't work out this time. 
the uh, the Saints fall into a tie with the Packers, and the Packers, of course, have the tie break because they won in New Orleans earlier this year. And uh, uh, you know, a lot of years we would have said, well, they're both getting buys anyway, but that's not the case this year. Only only the top team is going to get a buy, so that that's a big deal. Uh, not to mention, if this was a scenario where the Saints won their uh, first two playoff games, they would then have to go to Lambeau Field instead of a. Uh, playing at home, and that's always interesting to go out there in January. But uh, so this was a this is a big loss for the Saints here. Uh, we'll get into the Packers a little bit later in the show. As far as the Eagles go, game and a half out in that NFC East race, still a long shot at this point. Uh, they will finish up at Arizona, at Dallas, and then home against Washington. So they do get that head to head with the football team, the red hot football team that just uh, mm. uh, that offense can very much be stopped, but the defense just kind of keeps on taking over games. Uh, but before we get to that one, let's uh, let's talk about the Sunday night game, the Bills and the Steelers. Uh, I, I know the Bills were sort of looking forward to a chance to knock off the undefeated Steelers. The, the football team took that chance away from them, <laughs> but uh, the Bills were not there. This was an ugly first half for both offenses. Uh, and the Bills just kind of, they they turned it on the second half. Whether it was, uh, you know, Josh Allen or Brian Dable, they, they just sort of figured out what the Steelers were doing defensively with that blitz-heavy defense. And they were just finding spots behind the behind the blitz that was being vacated. And, uh, I mean, this was this was a really impressive performance in the second half for Josh Allen. Yeah, after the pick six to close out the first half, then the Bills come out after halftime and really flipped the game in their favor. Um, Maybe some of this conversation spills a little bit more into the Steelers' defense and some of the... um, some of the injuries taking a toll mm. there. Also, the defense Steelers defense having to be on the field so much because the offense kept, you know, the drives were sputtering, <laughs> three and outs, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the Bills offense took advantage of that. We saw a lot of plays where Josh Allen made something work. And also the run game was really strong for the Bills. And it really stood out to me that. Ben Roethlisberger throws that pick with 7-11 left in the game, and the Bills just wound the clock down from that point on. That was stunning to me. I had to like keep going back to check the timestamps. Yeah, they, they just bled out the remaining second half of the fourth quarter. That's pretty impressive. I mean, 13 plays to wrap this one up against uh, against that Steelers defense, which again was out there. They were out there a ton in this game. Uh, the Steelers, what, what do they have? I'm counting it right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, three and outs in this game. Nope, sorry, six three and outs. One of those ended in an interception, so that's technically not a three and out. But um, this was, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, the Steelers offense is, you're kind of waiting for it to evolve into something else. You have a veteran quarterback, mm-hmm. so you're not necessarily limited by that. Uh, you know, you had all the sort of new motion heavy stuff they were doing early in the year for the first time. Uh, a lot of horizontal stuff, a lot of catch and run stuff. And you were sort of waiting for them to build out from that. But it just it hasn't happened at this point. And uh, we've seen the run game dry up. And that's that's a problem. And mm-hmm. frankly, that's an issue when teams can just put everyone near the line of scrimmage against you because they know you're not going to uh, really throw down field very often. But uh, the one thing you worry about with Ben Roethlisberger, and he has some knee issues and you know, he's been listed as questionable the last two weeks and obviously he's, he's made it out there, but um, look, he's, he's not, he's not a nimble man at this point in his life, but 
you can kind of tell he is, it, it, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a pure arm talent problem, but when you're that age and your arm talent has diminished to an extent and now you're having discomfort just moving around and some of your basic mechanic stuff, uh, mm-hmm. it just sort of keeps you from being able to really zip the ball downfield. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing now because they, they just they, they, they don't have anything <laughs> offensively outside of just some of this some of this short catch and run stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right, Gary. They're really limited in the creativity of their offense. I mean, they don't the run game has not been a factor this season, which kind of limits the impact of play action. And you're not able to move Roethlisberger around. They're not able to do a lot of the motions that we see from other offenses. Uh, It's just a very stagnant uh, scheme at this point. And that's, I guess, you know, that's what you get with a quarterback who's been banged up and, you know, is coming off a season ending surgery last year. But, you know, the image of Roethlisberger kind of extending plays for like 15 seconds, you know, and like waiting for receivers to come open and no one able to take Roethlisberger down. That's very different from what the reality is in 2020. Yeah, a guy in his prime who was, I mean, he was as good a late-in-the-down quarterback as there was in the league. He was as good as a pure thrower as there was in the league uh, with some of the downfield stuff, and that is just that is just gone. And, and we mentioned three and out, one for ten on third down. Uh, and we saw early on a bunch of drops. Uh, it, it's just, it's... It's tough to find answers. You thought they'd look a little bit different in the in the second half of the season than they did early on, and it, it just doesn't. And I think everyone's sort of caught up to it at this point, if we could simplify that as much as possible, which I like to do. I mean, it was kind of interesting. At one point while watching the game, I thought that the Buffalo offense is what the Steelers once were, right? You have this yeah. big-armed quarterback who's hard to take down, has some mobility, um, you have a strong run game that can bleed out the final, you know, minutes of a game. Um, and the roles have completely reversed. Now, I will say this, I'm not super down on the Steelers. Like that was a disappointing performance and it's two straight losses, but I, you know, it was a, it's a difficult run for the team. They had all the scheduling chaos last week. So they played this week on a short week. Um and I think they're just um, they need to figure some things out, certainly, but they're really depleted at the linebacker position. I thought that showed up. Some of those guys they'll be able to get back. Others, like Bud Dupree and Devin Bush, are gone for the season. So I think there's a little bit of recalibration that needs to go on for the Steelers, but this wasn't the defensive performance that they're capable of, even with some of their players out for the season. And so um, once they get back to that um I don't know. I, I I just I'm not counting them out despite this disappointing performance. Yeah, absolutely. And we're about to get to a team that is is dominating defensively. And and Joe Hayden will come back. That was exactly. one issue that they Another were having thing. in this game. Right. They 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 could not match up with uh, uh with the Bills receivers in this one. So Joe Hayden will come back at some point. Uh Robert Spillane, their linebacker who was out, who was a guy who who frankly I I 
I, I did not know of coming into the season, but they miss Robert Spillane because they miss he, Robert they, Spillane, right? He did, <laughs> he did a nice job in coverage, and the rest of the guy, Avery Williamson, Vince Williams. Uh, I mean, those guys are are you know that they're they're quality linebackers, but they are not coverage guys. Spillane was had kind of emerged as their coverage guy, and they don't have an answer for that at this point. So, yeah. um, depleted right now, they'll probably be fine in the long run. Uh, but boy, you, you just wish that 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 uh that offense has just kind of grown at this point and it's just it it hasn't it's just the way it is i guess yeah all right jenny hang on for one second it is time for the si fantasy segment presented by DraftKings. as we are every monday we are graced with the presence of michael fabiano of si.com slash fantasy and the si fantasy podcast uh fabs we are we're here we're in the postseason it is it is crunch time here and uh everyone's kind of looking for some difference makers in the waiver wire uh, I don't know if there are a ton of them, but let's run through position by position, see if we can see if we can mine anyone out of here. But uh, uh, kick it off with the running backs here. So I've been talking about Cam Akers for weeks now. He's probably gone, but just check. Like if your league is not super competitive, he could be floating out there. ESPN's got him at about 55% ownership, which is not enough. Uh, mm-hmm. 31 touches against the Patriots, over 21 fantasy points, and they got the Jets coming up. The Jets stink, obviously. <laughs> so just check. He's probably gone, but just check. Uh, so uh, Lynn Bowden, right? He is running back wide receiver eligible on ESPN. I believe he's running back eligible on Yahoo, but then he's listed as a wide receiver in some spots too. He had 59 snaps this past week. He had nine targets uh, and over 15 fantasy points against the Chiefs, right? Uh, he has 13 targets in his last two games. Devontae Parker got hurt in that game. Uh, Miles Gaskin is on the COVID list. Salvin Ahmed's been hurt. Matt Breed is on the COVID list. I don't know if they're playing in week 15. Uh, if you need a running back and Bowden's not available, then it would probably be a pivot to DeAndre Washington. But mm-hmm. Bowden is interesting. He's a very versatile guy. Obviously, he's a very good pass catcher. And they've got the Patriots coming up next week. So uh, it's thin at running back, which is kind of what you would expect at this point in the season. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is worth a look this week against the Cowboys. It, it's it's more of Raheem Mostert's backfield, but Wilson's getting some burn. And then I've been talking about Tony Pollard for like a month. And then what happens? When you need Zeke Elliott the most, he stinks against the Bengals. And Pollard basically splits touches with him almost down the middle. I would, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I wouldn't be shocked if Zeke – uh, you know, if the Cowboys are eliminated from playoff contention, which that division is such a pile of garbage that maybe they won't be. I don't know. But I wouldn't. Be, I, it's already happening, right? I mean, Zeke's maybe he's not 100%. Pollard looks like the more explosive back right now. So he, he's worth a an add and stash. Uh, that's what I would put it as. All right. All right. Uh, how about uh, wide receivers here? Uh, there's, there's a few more options here. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, who like, I've been talking about this guy for months. He's still available in like 70% of leagues. It doesn't make any sense to me. Nine targets, five catches, 100 yards, 21 points against the Colts. He's had nine or more targets in three of his last four games. Folks, when I when I do my predictions and prognostications and start them and set them, which you can find, uh, of course, on SI.com, mm-hmm. what I'm looking for is opportunities. You know, you're looking for the matchups too, right? You're looking for matchups who, who could potentially uh, mean big numbers for your fantasy players. But I'm looking for opportunities too. Like when you're getting nine or more targets in three of the last four games, you're getting opportunities. Like, and Aguilar didn't have a huge game against the Jets, but he could have, right? He had a ton of targets, and Derek Carr missed him on, on what could have been a touchdown. You got to think about those kind of things. He's got the Chargers coming up next. Uh, Tim Patrick, 
Uh, only had three catches uh, this past week against Carolina, but he had a touchdown and nearly 13 points. He has three touchdowns in his last two games. He scored 11-plus points in three of his last four. So, I mean, he should be on the radar, right, at least. Uh, he's got the Bills coming up next, right? So, n- not a not a great matchup, not a terrible matchup. Um, but he's, he's worth a look. Kiki QT only had three targets. The numbers weren't there this week. He did have a touchdown against the Bears. But I don't know when Brandon Cooks is coming back. Boy, it's mm-hmm. been terrible for Deshaun Watson owners, and I'm one of them. It mm-hmm. stinks. Uh, but, I mean, if QT is the number one wide receiver in week 15 against the Colts, who just gave it up to Aguilar, he's worth he's worth an ad. Some other guys, uh, Gabriel Davis has a touchdown in three straight games. K.J. Hamler didn't have a very big target here, but he had uh, he had a couple of big plays against, uh, against Carolina. As long as Julio is out, Russell Gage is at least on the radar. And Keelan Cole with Gardner Minshew back is – he is a deep league dart throw. He's got the Ravens coming up next, so the matchup's not great. But Cole had a big game, and uh, his numbers have typically been better when Minshew's been under center. And, you know, DJ Chark has kind of disappeared over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah poor DJ Chark. Uh, let's go quarterbacks. So, Mitchell Trubisky, holy cow. Do you think mm. Trubisky was like, you know what? Deshaun Watson is the guy that a lot of folks out there uh, would, would rather be on the Chicago Bears roster than me. I'm going to go out there and light him up. Now, may- maybe uh, Watson doesn't have uh, his two top receivers and his <laughs> backfield is a mess and his offensive line sucks. But Trubisky had a big game. I mean, three touchdowns, nearly 25 points. He's got the Vikings coming up. That's a good matchup, right? I was going to say, Watson also doesn't get to uh, play against the Texans defense. True. That's true. Mm. If you, yeah. So Trubisky's out there, right? <laughs> Tua Tungvaloa. Now, I don't like the matchup coming up this week against Patriots. I don't like it. Yeah. But, you know, he had 27 points against the Chiefs. Pretty good. Jalen Hurts. Now, his passing numbers weren't great, but he had 106 yards on the ground. Running quarterbacks, folks, almost 20 fantasy points against the Saints. Uh, And they're saying, was that like the craziest sideways game of the week, right? Like, I never thought, I didn't like Miles Sanders. I didn't like Hurts. The Saints were, you know, one of the best teams in the league against the run. They hadn't given up a 100-yard rusher in like 50-something games, and the Eagles put two on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck yeah. trying to predict this league sometimes, <laughs> folks. So he's got the Cardinals coming up next in a battle against Kyler Murray. Ooh, that might be fun. Uh, Phillip Rivers had another nice game. He's got the Texans again, and they stink. We just talked about that. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's got the Packers. That could be a high-scoring game. And then Derek Carr. Like, I didn't like Carr this week against the Colts. But his numbers were pretty good. I mean, they lost the game, but his numbers were good. And yeah. the defense is such garbage right now that, you know, Carr gets put into at least positive game scripts from a fantasy perspective because he's got to throw the football. Uh, and he's got the Chargers coming up next. So Carr is in the mix as well. And I know there there must there must at this time of year just be uh, tight ends just emerging. Just oh, yeah, thousands out there. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah, so, let's, let's do that. Logan Thomas is the best one. Uh, he had seven targets, six catches against the Niners. He's had 16 targets and 26.3 points in his last two games. He's got Seattle coming up next. Uh, Irv Smith Jr., if Kyle Rudolph can't play again, uh, w- would be worth a look against the Bears coming up. Their defense is garbage against tight ends. Uh, Tyler Higby's not been good outside of maybe like one or two games. He's got the Jets, though, this week. So if you're desperate or if you're looking for a DFS play, that's not going to cost you a lot of money, um, you know, no team in the league's given up more touchdown, excuse me, uh, fantasy points to tight ends. I mean, hell, Will Disley got in the freaking end zone against the Jets. They stink. Um, and then 
Dan Arnold, for crying out loud, he scored another touchdown. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I mean, you got the Eagles coming out. He's more of a dart throw, too. I, I'm guessing you have a better tight end on your roster than Dan Arnold. But we're going into week 15, folks, and there ain't much. <laughs> All right, Fabs. Uh, championship week next week. We'll uh, we'll have you right back here on Monday. But if you need stuff in the meantime, SI.com slash fantasy, the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's there all the time. Michael Fabiano, uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. All right, brother. Go easy. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jenny Brentis of the Weak Side Podcast is back. And Jenny, we have uh, uh, plenty to go through here. We're, we're going to go heavy on the NFC for a little while. And we are starting with the football team going to Arizona to defeat the 49ers. But um, I mean, look, this is bothering me 
the offense that they play and the lack of production they get out of it, but they just keep winning games. They won four straight, uh, and I would say this offense only uh, looked acceptable in that Cowboys game, and that's really just because the Cowboys will not tackle people when it's all said and done, but uh, the defense just completely took over this game uh, against the 49ers. Uh, They have not allowed 17 points or excuse me more than 70 points in a game over this four game win streak and uh the defense outscored the offense of this game they had two uh defensive touchdowns all the offense put up was three field goals uh chase young was just an absolute monster in this game i guess this is just i should accept it this is how washington is going to win games they've won four straight they're at six and seven they are uh at this point pretty heavy favorites to win this division I just have to take a second, Gary, to repeat the sentence you said to open this segment. The football team went to Arizona to beat the 49ers. <laughs> if you had said that one year ago, we would have had no idea what that meant. Someone someone waking up from a coma and listening to this podcast. This is a great podcast to listen to if you're just coming out of a coma, by the way. But uh, um, they are just completely baffled by by all of this word salad. I mean, unbelievable. Just shows how much has changed. But yeah, this is how Washington will win games. Uh, Again, you know, they have Alex Smith go out. Haskins throws uh, devastating interceptions or, well, I guess that one was called back. But a near interception. (laughs) A near devastating interception. And yes, he did lead that one drive. but, um, But it's all about the defense. And I do think that that will make Washington an interesting play if they are the NFC East champion, which it looks like at this point they will be. Uh, The story will not be the offense, but how this defensive line, how this defense will present major challenges to the opponent. And depending on who the opponent is, um, it could be an older quarterback, which would be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, we're getting way ahead of ourselves because obviously they still need to win some games down the stretch and hold off the Giants and and maybe even the Eagles at this point. But uh, that field they play on, which is always kind of a a crappy turf anyway, you get there in January, uh, no one, you know, everyone's sort of running in in quicksand here. And, you know, things get a little bit dicey if someone has to go to Washington for the first round of the playoffs here. Uh, but yeah, Dwayne Haskins comes in, uh, second half for Alex Smith, who had left with a, I believe it was a calf injury. Uh, Alex Smith, again, they did not move the ball in any way, shape or form in the first half. There, there are two scoring drives, two field goals. One was a 29 yard drive. One was a 13 yard drive. I I believe it was, I I did have it up here and now I've just lost it. Yeah. 13 yard drive. So, uh, that was set up by a turnover. I mean, it just, it's an offense that doesn't do anything and Haskins came in and actually led a long field goal drive to start the second half and it was kind of like okay well maybe you know maybe we're gonna get something out of this offense going forward and they just didn't but they didn't have to and like you said you know there was a uh uh a third and long-ish uh play where where uh you know it was deflected by a defender and and Jimmy Ward almost came up with the interception and that sort of would have given the 49ers new life in a short field and all that stuff but uh it didn't happen and it was kind of a reminder of like, oh, maybe maybe they don't want to try and score points. Maybe they're just going to let defense win games and, and do it that way. Yeah, just don't make mistakes. Let's uh, let's go to East Rutherford where the Giants, the, the Red Hot Giants, sort of got a reality check here against yeah. the Cardinals. Uh, this was, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about the Cardinals and not 
probably say a, a single thing about their offense here for once. Uh, the Cardinals mm-hmm. defense dominated this game. Eight sacks here. Hassan Reddick, who... Uh, was kind of emerging in 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 fits and starts with uh, Chandler Jones out here in Arizona. Uh, I mean, he he had five sacks in this game. Two of them were strip sacks. Uh, this was a monster performance from him and this defense. They allowed 159 yards of offense to the Giants. Uh, it, it was kind of around it. Look. Vance Joseph, uh, Vance Joseph might never get another shot as a as a head coach. I can I can be okay with that. Uh, but I thought he got sort of a raw deal in Denver, and you see what he's doing with his Cardinals defense. Which people look at the numbers and say, well, it's not a great defense, but they haven't really invested a whole lot in this defense. And losing Chandler Jones, you would have thought this is a defense that's giving up thirty five points every week. And Vance Joseph has found answers. Yeah. And Reddick is an example of that. You know, he's had a bumpy NFL career to this point. I mean, he has a pretty remarkable story overall. I mean, he wasn't really that recruited out of high school in New Jersey, um, played at Temple, and then he was the number 13 overall pick. And everyone kind of scratched their head a little bit at that at that selection. And certainly in his first three seasons, his production had not lived up to that draft status. But then here he was in his home state having this huge game. And, you know, he said he cried afterward. Um, But it was, you know, he's had a fantastic season and um, has really come alive in the system. And so you're right, Gary, the defense is as big of a story this year for the Cardinals as the offense. And as they got their season back on track, against the Giants, the defense was the reason why. The, uh, uh, I mean, look, Reddick was, this is a franchise record, uh, five sacks. I believe he was the one who had the, the kick out on the, uh, on, on the, uh, kickoff return fumble that Deion Lewis had, which probably was a penalty, but, uh, was tough to call in real time and can't be reviewed. So, uh, he actually kicked the ball out of Lewis's hands on that fumble uh, on that fumble but um sort of the story of this game for the Giants offensively was uh, look it was Daniel Jones looked like young Daniel Jones he's still young but he looked like rookie year Daniel Jones where uh his internal clock is just not functioning sometimes uh he holds the ball too long and this one he wasn't moving around very well because of the hamstring injury and he was just sort of a sitting duck back there and that's how you end up taking eight sacks especially when uh, Andrew Thomas is struggling with Hassan Reddick uh this was this was a discouraging performance here for this Giants offense yeah and Joe Judge has faced questions about playing Daniel Jones, which understandably so, because you could see that he wasn't mobile and then you limited that element of his game. And then he fell back into that mindset of trying to save things or trying too long to save a play or make something happen, which results in the turnovers. So it was just a bad combination of things. And you could certainly have made a strong case for holding him out another week, especially since Colt McCoy led them to a surprise win against Seattle last week. Well, the Giants, they, they fall out of first place in the NFC East. Obviously, this is still quite the race going on here. If uh, if you are if you are schedule watching, uh, let's see, Washington has a home against Seattle, home against Carolina, and at Philadelphia left. The Giants have uh, home against Cleveland at Baltimore and versus Dallas, and the Giants need to make up a game right there. So probably a, a bit of a steep climb here for the Giants at this point uh, after this one. Let's uh, let's go out to Tampa, where uh, the Bucks uh, again the big big performance from the Bucks pass rush here. This was uh, look 
I don't even know what to say about this game. It was just such a weird game. Uh, the Vikings offense was out there forever. Again, nice performance by the Bucks pass rush. Shaq Barrett had a had a big one in this one. But um, I, I I hate to say uh, I hate to say like you know oh, you know Vikings really let one slip away as if the Bucks played poorly. I don't think the Bucks played poorly in this game, but the Vikings just kept on missing kicks like every kick. Yeah, it did feel like a game of missed opportunities for the Vikings, which I think was the reason why that Brady didn't seem very encouraged by the team's performance. He was, um, per beat reporters, was pretty abrupt or had a short post-game press conference. And I think it was exactly what you just explained, Gary, was that it, it, it didn't feel like this big Buccaneers win. It felt like the Vikings missed an opportunity. I mean, the, the Bucks offense ran 49 plays. They were out there for less than 21 minutes. <laughs> Tom Brady barely uh, had to break a sweat in this game, I guess. Um, Dan Bailey, I mean, Dan Bailey is was in his prime, one of the best to ever do it, and he is just really having issues right now. Missed a, a couple of PATs and a long field goal last week. This one, he missed a PAT. He also missed field goals of 36, 46, and 54. And, I mean, that's just a ton of points to leave on the board here in a game that the Vikings... It wasn't do or die, but you really kind of needed this one if you're if you're Minnesota, as they uh, they fall a full game behind the Cardinals in the uh, race for the seven seed in yeah. uh, in the NFC. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that it seems like some franchises are just cursed by kickers. The Chargers are mm-hmm. one, and the Vikings are definitely one as well. They are. Let's uh, let's go out. To, it took us this long to get to the uh, the now <laughs> NFC leading Packers, uh, probably because, I mean, look, the result of this game was completely expected. Um, I will say the Lions, once again, uh, they were game. They were game against a division opponent in their own building. Uh, they've given the Packers some issues in uh, at Ford Field in the past. But, uh, you know, kind of kind of Rodgers and Stafford went, went shot for shot. And I don't know, it was just a, it was a very metaphorical way this game ended where, you know, the Lions defense just can't get off the field against Aaron Rodgers. And on the other side of it, Matthew Stafford, who is, again, playing with no Kenny Galladay, he has to leave the game uh, after getting his rib cage caved in. And that's just kind of the, the story of those two quarterbacks and those two franchises. Yeah. And Matthew Stafford, you know, risking his body to make a play is another uh you know, telling feature of the Lions, right? And he grabbed those ribs right away. It looked like a bad injury. Um, we'll see what happens from here on out. But uh, basically, you have Stafford, who's been trying to make the best of a bad situation in Detroit for a long time, and unfortunately, often um, has to pay the physical sacrifice as a result. Yeah, we'll we'll see if this was his his last appearance with the Lions here. It. it this this the franchise once again needs some sort of reset here uh and Stafford frankly uh, it's probably time for him to go elsewhere where he has a a chance to <laughs> to compete for a championship because that is just never how it uh, played out in Detroit where it was just constant I mean it's been a decade of dysfunction around the guy so um we'll see he's he's the kind of talent who can put a contender over the top if uh if you need that uh that quarterback there but We'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting offseason as far as uh as far as he goes. Um, 
Let's go down to Miami. Uh, Patrick Mahomes returns to Hard Rock Stadium to uh, try and win another one. And and kind of, as he pointed out on social media, very similarly, uh, a very slow start uh, in this game. And then he just turned it on. And in the end, the Chiefs just kind of, not quite invincible, but uh, I, I don't think there is a logical argument for saying anyone else could uh basically beat them at football right now yeah despite the slow start despite the fact that the Dolphins kept the game interesting um they just don't look like a team that can be beat there doesn't seem to be anyone that could knock them from that top spot and of course there's a lot of season left and we'll see how things unfold but this was a clear example of how even when Mahomes has a bad day, which is unusual and uncharacteristic. Um, they still find ways to win. And at the very end, Andy Reid, you know, the fourth and one, I believe it was, you know, they don't punt. They don't give it back to the defense. They say, we're going to have the ball with Mahomes, the ball in Mahomes' hand, excuse me. And he throws the pass to Hill, converts it, and the game is over. So um, it's just, what the situation is when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, five straight division titles now for the Chiefs. Um, not all of those have been with Mahomes, but the point being Andy Reid has built this team there and he now has this quarterback and this is just what we are going to expect for the next several years. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I'm like, he, he threw one ugly interception early where you sort of overshot uh, uh Clyde Edwards-Alaire on on sort of a uh, off-balance throw, the kind of throw that we've seen him make a, a billion times, and he just sort of overshot the smaller receiver there. Uh, the second one was kind of a weird play. I, I think it was Andrew Van Ginkle had fallen down on the play, the Dolphins linebacker, and very quickly popped up and got a deflection to cause another interception. But, uh, I mean, look, they were down 10 nothing early in the second quarter, and everyone's sort of ready to, uh, I don't know, point and laugh at Patrick Mahomes for the first time in a while. And then he just went out there and scored 21 points in like 10 minutes, and uh, it, it never really felt like it was a competitive game after that. Uh, Tua, again, Tua's learning some things as he comes along here. He had some issues with uh, late disguises that C. Spagnola was throwing at him and that's the kind of thing that you you learn as you as you play more reps and uh you know again i i think they are right to play to at this point i don't know if people will be calling for uh uh fitz magic down the stretch here but uh i don't think it's the thing to do at this point um as far as that goes dolphins still in that seven seed spot they do have to wrap up they they host the patriots and then they're road against uh vegas and buffalo to wrap up so kind of a kind of a steep climb here especially the Ravens having a bit of a soft schedule come down the stretch the Ravens as of Monday morning we don't know if they won on Monday night in Cleveland so big suspense Gary mm-hmm. you will know more than us if you listen to this <laughs> podcast on Tuesday that's that's the magic of podcasts all right Colts and Raiders uh Indianapolis look at a lot of people have trouble getting on board with the Colts because they just haven't shown much of an offense. I mean, it's 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 a good offense, but it's sort of a methodical offense. It's a veteran quarterback. It's a game managing type uh, type approach they do. Uh, but they this was the first time that they really 
just went out there and just strung together big plays and really did whatever they wanted uh, against the defense here. And this was a uh, this was a very comfortable win here, 44-27 uh, in the Raiders stadium. And uh, look, T.Y. Hilton, second straight week. T.Y. Hilton had a huge first half here, probably would have had a huge game had they not sort of, you know, ramp things down with a big lead and uh, Jonathan Taylor who everyone's been waiting for all year mm-hmm. to sort of break out especially if you drafted him in fantasy has uh, has his big breakout game here run for 150 had a 62 yard touchdown run ran for two touchdowns this was kind of the this was the Colts in full it felt like yeah uh, count me among the people that has had a hard time getting on board with the Colts for exactly the reasons you described. But the emergence of T.Y. Hilton the last couple of weeks has really been a big deal. I mean, that was what we expected going into the season, thinking that Philip Rivers was going to connect with this deep target. And it just took a while, it seemed, for the two of them to get on the same page. I mean, I had Hilton in fantasy and I dropped dropped him after a couple of weeks because mm-hmm. there just wasn't the production that we were expecting out of that relationship. But here it's come late in the season. And as you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, this was the kind of dominant performance that perhaps seemed like it was on the verge, but never came. I I will say a lot had to do with the Raiders poor run defense. This was a matchup that was prime for a breakout game, which um, only further uh, confounds me as to why I picked the Raiders in this game instead of the cold (laughs) scary. I'm not sure what was going through my mind because as the game was kicking off, I started thinking about it and I was like, of course, this is a matchup that the Colts are going to win, but I think I just have a hard time. Yeah, like I I haven't been able to convince myself that the Colts are at that next tier of AFC teams. And I mean, I don't think they are. I mean, obviously there's the Chiefs and then there's everybody else, but the Colts are in that mix right below the Chiefs. Yeah, that Colts, Bills, uh, probably... Uh, probably put the Titans up there at this point. They're uh, they're all in the mix here. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's go to uh, the Titans game in Jacksonville. The other half of this AFC South division battle. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, look, he he had a rough day against the Browns last week. He very much bounced back in this one, and the opportunity was certainly there for him against a a Jaguars team that just isn't very good. But uh, yeah, Henry ends up basically sitting the fourth quarter in this one, but he still ends up going for uh, 215 yards and two touchdowns on his 26 carries. And uh, this one, I I, I don't know, it it wasn't competitive. Gardner Minshew made it back into the game. That's the the other storyline from this one, I guess. That was some late intrigue, I guess. But (laughs) yeah, Henry was really the story because last week against the Browns seemed like an aberration, and it was... Uh, This is the kind of performance that we expect from Henry late in the season and is the kind of performance that the Titans will need to continue to ride um, as they, you know, head to the playoffs uh, most likely. So um, this kind of held their position in the AFC South. Obviously that's an interesting race between them and the Colts, um, but getting Henry back on track means that the Titans get back on track. So it's uh, it, the Titans and Colts are tied right now. I don't think there's I'm sure there's some way, but I'm not going to play it all out. I, I don't think there's a way the Colts can get the tiebreaker back over the Titans. I think if they if they end up tied, the Titans will uh, win the division here. But uh, you're looking at uh, Titans have uh, Detroit at home, then at Green Bay and at Houston. And the Colts remaining schedule is Houston at home and then at Pittsburgh and then home against Jacksonville. 
Uh, so I guess the Colts are kind of circling that Pittsburgh game right now if you're looking at uh, one that might slip away down the stretch here. But uh, that's a, that's it. That's the way the AFC South is. And we will wrap up this show with the lightning-ish round, the fastest three hours in sports. Uh, and we're going to start it with some sweet, sweet quarterback revenge here. Uh, Andy Dalton goes to Cincinnati with his Cowboys and defeats the <laughs> Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are, they're just not, I think the Bengals are worse than the Jets with Brandon Allen as their quarterback. And uh, Alden Smith had an early scoop and score touchdown. And this this Andy Dalton just got to kind of relax and, and enjoy his day in Cincinnati. Yeah, it was exactly what he would have hoped for, what the Cowboys would have hoped for. Not a lot to say about this game, Gary. <laughs> there really isn't. It was uh, it was a it was a bad team against a very bad team and uh, the bad team won easily uh let's go out to chicago speaking of speaking of bad teams uh and, and look mitchell trubisky for the rest of his life every time he is uh whatever within the same state lines as deshaun watson or patrick mahomes he is going to uh hear about it and that's through no fault of his own he didn't draft himself number two overall he was drafted by the bears and that's just the way it goes so trubisky gets the head-to-head with watson here with sean watson who has needled the bears a little bit on social media about passing on him and uh trubisky got the best of watson in this game you know better supporting cast and and certainly an easier defense to face but uh kind of kind of a nice moment for Mitchell Trubisky as he winds down his Bears career yeah and the Texans kind of looked like they just gave up on this game uh that was a very uh uninspired performance from them and you know as you mentioned I mean that's it's a good Bears defense it hasn't been a good season for the Bears but that was a good defensive performance by Chicago Deshaun Watson was absolutely battered in this game in, in a way that you just don't want your quarterback to be battered at any time, let alone uh, during the garbage time games of a four and nine season. But uh, yeah, that's the was, way it's going in Houston. Yeah, it was hard to watch because you have seen his performances this season and trying to be a bright spot uh, amid a dark season for the Texans. Um, so watching him get battered like that, um, you just hope that the Texans find a way to get back on track so that his talent is not wasted there. Uh, the Broncos go out to Carolina and steal a game there. Nice performance from uh, Drew Locke, who has been very much up and down. And, and look, he, he wasn't a world beater, but he lost Noah Fant to uh, Fant, I guess, was under the weather uh, in this one. And uh, look, there, there are a couple of plays. The one thing everyone has really disliked about this Broncos offense this year is you see all these great routes being run by Jerry Judy and, and KJ Hamler blowing people away. And they just haven't been able to connect there. And not that they connected a ton in this game, but you had a handful of plays where uh, those guys just blew away defensive backs and lock got the ball to them, which is, which is how an offense works. Yeah. I mean, this was supposed to be this breakout season for lock. Obviously it's been uneven for him, you know, he's missed games and so this kind of performance is a window into what they thought they had with Locke and that what they hope to see consistently this year so he showed it against the Panthers who have been a scrappy team this year so this was a a, a good performance for Locke uh, this next one, this is kind of a public service because I bet a lot of you turned this game off once the Jets had a 3 nothing lead over Seattle and just thought this lead would be insurmountable for the Seahawks. But the, the Seahawks did come back and win this one with, with 40 <laughs> unanswered points. Um, I don't know. I, I had this game on, and 
for some reason I kept on looking at it and every time I watched the play I was like why am I watching this game uh Sergio Castillo ended up missing three field goals in the first half he was one for four in the first half this is a tough week for kickers by the way um so I I don't know maybe maybe that there's a there's an alternate universe where those kicks are made and this game is a little bit more competitive but it wasn't competitive and we got lots of Geno Smith in the fourth quarter yeah, this was one of those games where they kept flashing back to it on red zone and you're like, why are we here? We don't need to yeah. see this game. I mean, every time they they went there and and the field in Seattle um, always looks, uh, it looks grayer and colder than some of the other fields on the screen. So you could always tell where they were going back and it was just this like depressing, uh, you know, gray shaded view into a game that we did not need to see. <laughs> I don't know why I got such a kick out of this, but it, it was it was raining late and like they had a shot of like, you know, Adam Gase, you know, when when it just starts raining, you see like the raindrops on the sweatshirt and stuff like that. And it was just such a sad scene. And it was the two minute warning was coming up. And uh, <laughs> I don't this is this is something coaches do all the time. Two minute warnings come up. So so Gase handed over his his challenge flag to like his assistant to make sure you don't challenge and pick up a penalty for uh, an unauthorized challenge in the final two minutes. And he just staring straight forward, just reached into his pocket and like just reach over his right hand, just dropped it into this disembodied right hand and it was like there there's there's something there's something poetic about this i can't quite put my finger on it but uh something that very much encapsulates this uh jet season in that moment of a uh just just a very sad adam gase handing over the challenge flag in a 40 yeah. to 3 game to make sure he didn't pick up a penalty in the uh in the final two minutes yeah Chargers Falcons. This one was this was feel good ish. If you're a, if you're a Chargers fan, maybe not so much if you're a Falcons fan. Um, I mean, look, the Chargers coming off that nightmare performance against the Patriots, and uh, they had another uh, clock management mishap at the end of the first half, and it was kind of like, oh, those Chargers are doing it again. But uh, they end up they they intercept Matt Ryan three times in the fourth quarter, including one late one. And, uh, you know, it's like they get the ball back in their own territory. There are 30 seconds left, and it was kind of like, uh-oh, are they going to are they gonna screw this up again with the time management? But uh, they didn't. They did it perfectly. And they even, you know, lined up and kicked the field goal and went right between those uprights. That's three points, and that's how they, they end up winning this game. Yeah, it was a situation where as they lined up for the kick, you're like, is this setting up for another heartbreak? But they made the kick. And, you know, you could tell for at the end of the first half that clearly there's a young offensive coordinator who sent in a play call, a run that he wasn't supposed to send in or was an ill-advised play at that point in time. And I think mm -hmm. you can also tell kind of the stress on Anthony Lynn at that situation. People were saying, oh, he's taking on special teams responsibilities, but I think he's, you know, trying to do a lot of things to plug a lot of gaps on this team. Um, and, you know, I think that's maybe what happens when you get into a situation like that. You trust the coordinator to send in the play. It's not the right play call. And then everything kind of gets thrown into chaos. So I thought they showed good fortitude and playing hard until the end and coming up with the win and, you know, figuring out a way to kind of turn things around after that uh you know, demoralizing end to the first half. And then yeah. for Matt Ryan, some of those interceptions, you kind of wondered what he was seeing there. I mean, the last one was just, it, it was just, it was, it was a throw that you never see from Matt. He was late 
and he was way inside on an out route, which, uh, and, and I can't remember who's doing the game, but they even made the point earlier in the game. They were like, well, Matt Ryan, not, not a, not a cannon arm, but this guy is never off schedule on these out routes. He's always, you know, and, and it's true. And it was just a very uncharacteristic fourth quarter from Matt Ryan. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just, a. I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of how the Falcons have uh, fallen apart at times this year. But Matt Ryan hasn't been an issue, but he was for the first time in a long time. He was kind of the issue in the in the fourth quarter of this one. Mm-hmm. All right, that'll do it for this one. Jenny, thanks as always for uh, joining us on Monday. We'll see you next week. But uh, of course, you will be there for the Weekside Podcast coming out Tuesday. Folks out there, Jenny, you already do and I already do. But if you don't already subscribe to the Weekside Podcast, do so and you'll get the show and it's a great show. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Brentis and me, Gary Gremlin. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Wheatside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, leave a rating and review for each show. It really does help other people find them, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? 
a wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.